Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Seabass of WNWS of Jackson, Tennessee, as we record this on New Year's Eve. Our news is presented by our good friends at Sutherland and Belk, an SEC sports-loving injury firm in Nashville. These guys will shoot you straight on your rights and options when you have been injured in an accident. Please call them at 615-846-6200 to get your questions answered. You can also visit them online at sbinjurylaw.com. Vanderbilt drops its SEC opener in basketball on Wednesday night, 91-72 to Florida. Scotty Pippen Jr. leads the Commodores in scoring with 18 points. Vanderbilt now 4-3 on the season. The title sponsor of our podcast this year is Jody Jones DDS, trusted for his creative design and committed to both the function and aesthetics of your smile, Jody Jones provides a range of sought-after dental and cosmetic dentistry services at his practice in Nashville. He's earned the title of number one in Nashville for his cosmetic dentistry and provides a unique luxury environment for patients who want his famous Hollywood smile or other services. Patients enjoy getting services from Dr. Jones and his attentive team in a spa-like atmosphere. Dr. Jones has worked with many artists, movie stars, and celebrities over the years and is dedicated to providing first-rate results to all of his patients. He never compromises quality so patients can be confident they will always receive the highest level of care. Thank you to Jody Jones DDS for making this season of the podcast possible. Seabass appears on our guest line today. The guest line is presented by Bowl and Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I had no clue how comfortable Bowl and Branch sheets could be until I got some. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to bowlandbranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Seabass joins us from WNWS in Jackson, Tennessee. Actually, he's not doing this from WNWS. He's doing this from the comfort of his home where I can hear his dogs every now and then. My good friend, I hope you're well, and Happy New Year to you a few hours early. Can you hear, yeah, can you hear her? Oh, that, that's yes, my, yes. Her? She's snoring right now. Can you hear that? <laughs> is that what that is? Yeah. <laughs> that's my pit bull, Bailey. She's 11 years old, and she's snoring like a freight train. You know, not a lot of great things happened this year. Uh, this was easily a bottom five year for me, but getting a dog is – Pretty big highlight, although he's a handful. Little O R E O action going on today, Mr. Oreo. Yeah, Oreo is um is something else. <laughs> they are aren't they all, man? Yeah, this this one's the these two that I have right now are the two best dogs I've ever had. They are the cream of the crop. They are my favorite two dogs I have ever owned. 
So we are almost at the end of 2020, and thank God for that. Yeah. Uh, before we get into sports, what's this year done to change you, if anything? Ah, uh, to change me? Nothing. Nothing. I'm the same person I was this time last year. You know, I got to get back to walking again, though. Good grief, Chris. You know, during the first stage of the three months of the pandemic, I was walking five miles a day. Of course, now we got bought out. So it's a new system. So I work all the time and my schedule changed. But I'll tell you what, if there's one thing I'm going to change, I am telling you, even if I got to start tomorrow, I don't care if it's pouring down rain. I'm getting back to my walking. I loved it so much. You know, and I thought, well, I'm going to do this every single day for the rest of my life. And, uh, man, got to working so much and just didn't have the time. And I hadn't went walking in about four or five months. And I'm as he's starting tomorrow, dude. I'm getting back to that. But as far as changing, no, I'm the same person. I purchased a treadmill for that. Uh, and I plan to use it a lot more than I did. The issue I have now is my wife and I share a home office. Uh, that's one of the things. The other thing is if I get up and run in the morning, the, uh, the wife and kids complain that they can feel the house shake. So. Well, oh, well, you need to lose some weight then, man. I guess I do. I'm not that heavy, but <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but hey, if, if if ten pounds would do the trick, then whatever. I, I like to run. That is the one thing that um, oh, hate it. That oh well, I I don't know that I like the running itself, but I like how I feel afterwards. I feel like if I run, my mood is much better. That's like the the best thing I can do for my mental health. And I just didn't get to do much of it this year. I was running a good bit the first two months, and it was really getting in shape. I was running about three and a half miles at a time at a decent clip, which I hadn't done in a while. And uh, then I think COVID hit, and it just kind of wrecked the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah, that, it got both of us. So if there's anything, that's that's what's I don't know. That's not really changed me, but yeah, no, I, I'm the same person. I mean, you know, you know, but you know how I am anyway, man. I'm kind of, <laughs> I guess different would be a fair way to put it. It would be a fair way I, to I, put I, it. I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy living. You do. And you and I have been friends. Is this 18 years, 17 years? I really think I, I might've met you literally the first year I did this. I think I did. Yeah, I mean, I would say that's probably right somewhere around there. But uh, yeah, uh, gosh, dude, I can't even believe that. I can't. Even, I was just sitting there thinking about. So I was doing the show last night, and somebody was asking me about uh, Ty Simpson, the, the the Westview quarterback. And I said, uh, and I got to, and I and I got to thinking about it. I was like, you know, that's because <laughs> yeah, he's he's got offers from everybody in the country. He's twenty twenty two, and we were sitting there looking, and I was just sitting there going over some of the schools that were offering him. And I, and I and I just looked at that list and and, and I got to thinking about it. Twenty twenty two prospect. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it, Chris. Twenty twenty two. Oh, you know, now that and, I think about it, the the players that we will be covering this year were born about the time we started the site. Oh, I know, and, and you know, I, it, it's funny because it, for some reason I don't even know why. Oh, I know what it was. It was Ty Jordan. Uh, and it made me think about Quan A, man. It made me think about how sad that was. Golly, Bill. And it made me think about the the morning I woke up. I woke up that morning and found out about Quan A and how sad I was about that. And I hadn't thought about that in a long time, you know. And that and that and that Ty Jordan stuff just made me think about Quan A. Do you know how I found out about that? This is when I was still working 
uh, another full-time job and doing this on the side. I found out about that when, I think it was that one, I was scheduled to do a radio thing. And I'm not, I'm not going to name the, the host because nothing towards this person, but I was asked about it live on air and I didn't know. Hmm. Oh, boy, yeah, that, that would have to suck. <laughs> that that would have to suck for sure, man. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I, that just popped up. Those two things popped up to me yesterday, and I was just I, I was just sitting there thinking about that, man. I, oh boy, he was such a he was such a good player. I I, st- I still remember that old Miss game, man. When he was a freshman, what a player he was. And then I think about Rajon, man, and what we, you know, obviously cheated out of our life was he but you know and our but our opportunity to see how good he could have been man i think about those things i take that back that was the rajon bennett one i didn't know about the doster one we'd only been doing the site two years i think and that mm-hmm. happened uh, was it christmas day yes i do believe that's right i know it was right around this time of year for sure so it might have been christmas yeah, that was awful. I remember going to the memorial service for that. That was over in the chapel on campus, and that was – I think that was tough for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I know what that's like. Had a teammate pass away. Uh, he was – man, he, he was a really good player. and was a senior. He he had passed away in his sleep at night. And uh, as a senior, I mean, great shape, great player. I mean, hell of a player out of Florida. And – uh so I know what that's like. It sucks, no doubt about it. Not to bring anybody down, it's just uh, I saw that with Ty Jordan, and it just made me think about Quane. I hadn't thought about Quane in quite a while. Yeah, the, the Jordan thing was – they're all awful. The, the Donnie Everett's the worst one I've ever covered because it, it mm-hmm. happened while everybody was still there and they were starting the NCAA tournament. And, and of course, I'm, I'm closer to that program than I have been the others. And so I, I kind of know the dynamics there a little bit better. And, and just to see how it affected everybody and just to watch those guys try to go through the motion uh, was just awful to watch. And then it just, again, it we've been over this before, but it carried over uh, just for a couple of years. And, and again, I think, I think I've said this before. I think the reason – I was happy. I was I was elated for Tim when he won it in 2014, but I think I was happier for him in 2019 because I knew that he carried a burden around with him, and so did those kids on that team uh, for three years that just you wouldn't ask anybody your worst enemy to carry. And I was really, uh, you know, not, not that it ever made it okay, not anything close. You can't have resolution to that but the fact that there was a silver lining at the end of that for you know to some degree uh I think I've never been happier for anybody I've covered than I was for them when they got that flag in 2019 Mm -hmm. yeah for sure man but uh, like I said I don't want (laughs) to This is not going to be a down show by any stretch of the imagination, but I just wanted to mention that because I thought about that. Well, I, I'm not going to take us in too dark a direction, but I do nah, feel like there's a, a clearing of the air. I, this is the toughest year I've ever had on the beat. I mean, and it, there's not even a close second because it was every day this year. Yeah, it was something. It was it, it was a rough one for sure. I uh, know you're. If anybody's glad to see it come to an end, I know that would be you. I was doing the math. Did you realize they are four and fifty-two 
in the SEC and in men's basketball and football over the last two years? Four and 52. <laughs> Can you name those four? I can. It was Missouri in football, and it was LSU, Alabama, and South Carolina. The craziest thing about that is two of them were back-to-back. Four and 52. That is, golly, Bill, that is stunning. That is a lot of losses. (laughs) That is a lot of losses. Well, uh, the only thing that I can say is uh, nowhere to go but up from here. Well, I feel like... Okay, bat, there's going to be a baseball season, barring something crazy. Uh, and it yeah. may be, in fact, you know, this might be the most interesting baseball season I've ever covered in a regular season standpoint. I don't know what they're going to do in the league yet, but I know that 12 weekend series is a possibility, 10 weekend series is also a possibility. Uh, within that, four game series in the league are also a possibility with potentially Saturday doubleheaders. The regular season in baseball this year could be phenomenally fascinating. And by the way, if they do that, if they go to four-game weekend series in league, I just think that's going to make Vanderbilt have even more an advantage than it's already going to have. Because I think Vandy and Florida are the best two teams. Everybody would probably agree with that. But their pitching is so deep, and their starting rotation is going to be so strong I think it's going to separate them really from everybody other than Florida a little bit more is my suspicion. I'd have to look at it and get more familiar with rosters, and maybe that's minimized a little bit with the eligibility situation, with more players getting to come back to normal. Maybe that would even out a little bit, but man, if they go that route, I think weekends with the elite teams are going to be super fascinating. If you have to forgive me, what was the name of the young man that we were holding out hope uh, and he got drafted with like three picks left in the draft or something like that? I think it was to Cleveland. Mason Hickman. Uh, Mason Hickman. What would the the expectation be if he was still there, if he hadn't went in those first? Because you got to believe that if he hadn't been drafted in in those first, that he'd be coming back, right? Don't you think? He would be coming back, and he'd be first-team All-American. I mean, that would have been – Florida's lineup is going to be perceived as better, and it probably is. But it would have been really tough for them to not be number one. There's only one poll that's come out so far. That's collegiate baseball, which I'm not as big a fan of. Florida's one and Vandy's two, and I think that's how all of them are probably going to be. But my goodness, if you have lighter rocker – Hickman and then Ethan Smith is your four. Uh, that's incredible. I mean, look, I mean, people kind of forget this a little bit. They've got Christian Little coming in from Missouri, who's a top five player in high school, maybe the best pitcher in high school. So mm-hmm. he's enrolling in a week or two. And, and, you know, look, sometimes those things right off the bat, there's an adjustment period for most of them. But I don't know that they've ever gotten a player – this highly rated to school. Uh, I mean, as many incredibly, you, know, you don't hear five stars in baseball. That's just not the terminology they use. But they've had a lot of five stars, right? If if you called oh, him that. Yeah, sure. And he is probably the number one prospect they've ever gotten to campus in terms of how they're rated. So um, he's pretty polished. I think got control. I mean, look, he may, he may fit right in and 
Uh, we forget about Mason Hickman. Uh, he might be that good. I, I never it, – it usually doesn't work out that way, but that's going to be interesting to see how he acquits himself and where he fits in right away. What's the scoop behind him? Why is he coming to college? I think he just wanted to. Uh, education. Just, I, mean, I mean, look, I mean, it's, it's – I mean, if this is the highest rated recruit that this program has ever had, then clearly he was – yeah, he was, wouldn't you say, a top 10 pick? Would, would that be fair? Yeah, but you look at a lot of these guys, and not all of them end up being better off financially for going to Vanderbilt. John Norwood's one who turned down, I think, close to a million dollars, and then he was, I think, a undrafted free agent or late-round pick coming out of Vandy. So it doesn't always work out, but like even players like Tyler Beatty, you know, who really kind of ended the career here on a whimper, Tyler made more money, I think, coming out of Vanderbilt than he was going to make signing with Toronto out of high school. Uh, right. And I, I want to say by like a half million dollars, so it wasn't insignificant. I, I guess at some point, and those are the ones you usually don't get, right? You might get right. a late first rounder through. It's really rare for kids that high to go to school, but you look at what they've been doing with players, and I think you can argue that well, and especially with the bonuses being reduced and all the uncertainties around minor league baseball and some of those things, that maybe it just was a time where the conditions lined up. I don't know all his reasoning, but as you ask me, I'm thinking out loud through the changing dynamics and how well some of their players have done after coming to Vandy. Uh, and they've got a pretty good case to make. And as Tim Corbin always says to me, you know, it beats riding a bus for three years. And he's certainly right about that. Yeah, and and I won't argue that I'm I'm sitting there trying to think what if 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 I had a kid and he was that ilk I just I would have a hard time turning that down and not going straight to the to majors. Yeah, not I would to, too. I mean, to if it were my son, I don't know if I'd tell him to go to school, but you know, to each their own, right? That's what makes us a great yeah, country. Yeah, I'm certainly not trying to talk him out of coming. <laughs> you know? By by any stretch of the imagination, it's just I I I think about it myself, and of course, you know, not not everybody comes to 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 from the same place. Some people don't need the money, you know, <laughs> and I don't know if that's his case or not, or whatever the case may be, but. Uh, I'm glad to have him. I'm, you know, it's 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 rare, you know, that somebody that high turns it down and goes goes to college anyway. But you know what? It's called gambling on yourself. And then, like you said, some people just want to go to college. And then there's just, I mean, of course, I think like the other side of it. Of course, you can name a few people, but I mean, Tim Corbin has a track record of people, uh, you know, high rank recruits betting on themselves and it paying off. So we'll get a baseball season, and I feel like football is going to be tough this year. But there's a difference between covering a bad team and covering a bad team with light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, there's a ton right. of difference yeah, in that, and I feel like that's what we're going to have. I'm like, I feel like the last couple of years, I just went to spring practice and fall practice when I could go, and it just felt pointless. I mean, it really felt pointless. You were like, okay, well, let's see how Ken Seals looks, but let's also hope for that kid's sake he doesn't get killed behind that line. Like, that, you could find a little glimmer here and there and something to look forward to, but it hit a dead end pretty quickly. I feel like with this, I feel like they won't be very good this year. I mean, we'll see. Maybe they hit a couple kids in the portal. Uh, I never dreamed that James Franklin's first team would be as good as it was. 
And my thing has always been when you go from bad coaching to really good coaching, uh, you, you kind of get a double bump there uh, that people don't always factor in. And, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe they will be, maybe they were just so poorly coached and so unmotivated uh, that they're, they're better than we know, right? Maybe they can be better first year. I'm not expecting it, but I feel like even if they are bad, I feel like there's some purpose. Um, you know, they, they, man, they got a really good special teams coordinator today. I don't know if you got a chance to see that, but it, yeah, feel, yeah, it feels like too. finally there's some things that are starting to fall into place. Uh, it's kind of like, okay, it could be bad for a couple of years, but it feels like there is a plan and some competency and just lifting that burden from everybody, I think, is going to be really big. Well, I, yeah, and I think so, too. Uh, yeah, but I did see that the cat from Syracuse, who's also, uh, you know, been an assistant head coach, a head coach, uh, and, and who, wherever he's gone, has been extremely successful. And that's and I'll take that all day long. I think it's a great step, a great start, a great first hire, hopefully the first of many. Uh, Ike, look, uh, I did. Notre Dame's about to get absolutely destroyed. There, that's not an if; it's 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 a certainty that that's going to happen tomorrow. And hopefully, we can get on with the rat killing and and uh, and get coach here and get everybody in place. Uh, as far as next year goes, you know, hey, we'll see what happens. But I'll tell you this, uh, especially if, if you know, like when we talk with with uh, with with Bruno. Uh, you know, the potential for some of those O linemen to opt back in would be great uh, if, if we get that to happen. And hey, you know what? Here's what I will take. Uh, I will take a, a an offensive nucleus of guys like Ken Seals and Keon Henry Brooks and and uh, the Davis kid from Temple, the, the transfer, uh, and Cam Johnson, and uh, you know, hopefully Chris Pierce and a couple of these other younger receivers. Uh, you know, of course, I don't know what we're going to look like offensively because I don't know the scheme and I don't know who our coordinator is going to be. But, but I mean, those are players. A couple of those guys that we have mentioned, you know, the Cam Johnsons, the Ken Seals, Keon Henry Brooks, the Davises, those are, I don't have to question if they can make plays. I've already seen them do it, you know, under much more detrimental circumstances, not detrimental, but uh, uh, leaner circumstances, if you will. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I have no reason to believe they can't elevate their game to another level. And if that's the case, maybe there's a little juice in that offense. Would you like to hit on a couple more things that you're choosing? Or would you care to just go to the mailbag? Because we've got a ton of questions there. And just for our audience, we're doing this at 4 o'clock on New Year's Eve. And this is probably not going to be a marathon episode. I feel like every time we say that, it is. But... Well, what, it ain't. <laughs> well, I, I'm, what I'm saying is I'm going to leave it up to you. If there's a topic you want to hit, then let's hit it. And if not, we'll go into the mailbag. Uh, no, just uh, I'm right now. I'm just anxiously waiting to see how this staff fills out. And the other thing, uh, and I don't want to delve too far into it, but I just, ah, man, I, I watched about 60% of the game last night against Florida. And first of all, and I know they didn't have Keontae's obviously, but uh, that's a good Florida team one way that with or without him. I mean, that, that looks like a pretty good Florida team to me. We'll see what they end up doing down the, uh, you know, along the way. Uh, but they'd seem to be pretty talented. I just, I know the team's trying, but I just, it's a hard watch, Chris. It's a hard watch. I mean, I see some young talent. I do. I, uh, I mean, I, I do like Studi. I th- and I'm saying it right, Studi. Is that is that right? That's correct. 
Okay. Uh, I like this kid, man. He, he, he wants the basketball. Um, he's looking to get to the rim and we don't have any of those. And he's, he's a bigger kid. He can shoot from the outside. He just needs some seasoning. And I think, you know, he's a, he plays with the type of emotion that I wish the rest of our team would play with half the time. Uh, you know, I mean, he's, you can tell he he's, he wants to mix it up a little bit. I like that, and I like Trey Thomas, man. And I think McBride's got some ability. And Scotty's obviously a great scorer, no question about it. But there's just something about this team uh, that, that they're hard to watch. And and the other thing is, if I'm another team, I may not take a single perimeter shot the whole night. I don't think there's a reason to, because I can I can get to that bucket, and there's nothing this team can do about it. Nothing. There, there, there's zero. This team, they have no answer for anything uh, that gets to the rim, be it uh, you know low post or or a drive to the bucket. They simply cannot defend the rim. I'm gonna try to say as little as possible here. I see some things I like. I think Miles Studi is a better player than I thought he was. I think Trey Thomas has got a chance to give them some things. I really like Scotty Pippen Jr. My take on DeSue is the same as it's been. I think he's got some talent. Just the switch hasn't flipped yet. Other than that, uh, people have asked me or been critical that we don't talk about basketball enough on the podcast. I'll be honest, I just don't have much good to say. I, I, I don't, I'm not at all surprised by what I've seen. I don't see it getting any better. Um, you know, it's one thing when you're bad, like we, we talked about football a minute ago when, when you're bad, but you feel some hope, you see some processes, you see some things that you feel like you can buy into. Uh, I just don't see that with hoops. Uh, and I just, I really, frankly, it's going to be a real struggle for me to cover it on the podcast this year. Uh, Cause I have opinions about it. I'm not always right, but I think I've been more on it than not in the two years that this staff has been here, and I, my opinion on things has not changed. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to, and you know, you know me well enough to know by now that if I disagree with you that I would say it. But I don't know what to say. I you hate know, to I, see it, I, but I, I grew up in that gym for people who don't know. There was nothing I looked forward to as a kid more than a trip or two. And if it was a two SEC game week, then that was phenomenal. I mean, you you got excited about it. You went to school. You thought about, I get to go to the game tonight or Saturday. And, and I just don't feel um, – and it's different when you cover it as a journalist, right? It is. But I know what that place was. I know what that program can be. And I just think this, this program is dead in the water. There, that some people don't want to hear it. Uh, but I just I, I cannot see this getting much better. So you don't think it's like a player away, a player two away, and it, uh, it just needs a complete overhaul. Is what you're saying? Uh, completely, and I'm I'm afraid okay. they won't have Pippen next year. I think he'll either go pro or he'll transfer. I mean, I I that's a prediction, but I just and if they lose him, then what? Right? Well, I, let me ask you that you say or transfer, but why would you transfer? I mean, clearly gets the opportunity to showcase himself there more than anywhere else. Now, if it's about winning basketball games and titles, then okay, I hear you. But, I mean, he absolutely gets the opportunity to showcase himself every night. Yeah, but, I mean, are there five schools he can't play at? What do you mean? 
I mean, if Scottie Pippen Jr. hit the transfer portal right now, how many schools would he not be a take for? Oh, that's not what I'm saying. It's not about whether or not he would be a take. He clearly can play anywhere, but that's kind of my point. Here, he gets to showcase himself every night. He is absolutely the offensive option, and people get the chance to see that. I mean, and in a league where in the NBA now where you don't have to play defense anymore, you just have to be able to score, he's clearly showing you that he can do that. He's not going to get those type of chances going somewhere else where, you know, they're completely a different and more competitive and more balanced team. He's going to get the ball much less. So it has, it would come down to what is, if he transferred, what was it that he'd be looking for? Uh, is he trying to win titles or, or, or is he simply just completely unhappy at Vanderbilt? Because from a shot opportunity and just an overall focus, he's not going to do better than where he's at now. Well, yeah, I mean, in terms of usage, it's not going to get better, but would you trade some usage to go to a Final Four or win a conference title? And I just, my point is, I don't know what he's thinking. Not about him. Well, okay. All right. I mean, it well, takes I mean, their well, own. I'm but... sure, because it depends on what we're talking about, because he's already two years in, so he'd be a junior next year, and right now, I mean, I think he's clearly an NBA player. Would you agree with that? Oh, I think he's, yeah, he'll get a shot. I think he's very good. He's yeah. better than anybody yeah. imagined. Yeah, so, I mean, at this point in your career, and plus, remember, if you're a prospect, uh, once you start getting up in your junior, you don't want to be in your senior year. You know, if you're a senior, your seniors in college rarely make first-round picks. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It does. But, I mean, just go look at them, right? And then go look at your in, in almost any draft, and it's usually uh, freshmen, a few sophomores, and international players. It's very rarely seniors. Yeah, but the flip side, too, is if they don't get more help, he's going to have two or three sets of eyeballs on him every time he touches the ball. I mean, you saw some of it last night. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, yes. But he's also the same guy that this time last week scored 30 points and had plenty of opportunities. He's a guy that's going to have the basketball in his hand all the time. You know, I don't know. I mean, look, first of all, we don't know that he's considering doing that. I'm just saying I can't see the a valid reason. I could certainly see opting to go to the to the league, but as far as transferring at this point, I, it wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. You ready for the mailbag? I am. All right. The mailbag is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood who can take care of your insurance needs. Call Josh today at 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at HQ or at facebook.com forward slash jdmintonhq. Josh is my insurance agent. Give him a try and tell him you heard about his business on the Vandy Sports Podcast. View you in GA says, what does Clark Lee have to do in the coming season for it to be considered a success? May I question one more time, Chris, please? Uh, what would constitute success for Clark Lee in year one? Hmm. And we're assuming that we're going back to 12 games and, and regular schedules and whatnot. Um, if we're looking for a number, you know, I, if we're looking from a number standpoint, especially from a team who went winless, I mean, if this team, if, if he were to able to come in here and get 
five wins, four or five wins and show a competitive team and, 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 and show that the, that there's a change in not only in philosophy and, but attitude and that, uh, uh, that, that he can recruit and, and, and that he's hired himself a good staff. And, and it's, you know, because look, it, 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 it's easy to talk about what a hire is or isn't before they play a game. Uh, you know, but after 12 games, I would just like to say that I know like, like, with James Franklin, we know what we were getting, but after 12 games, we knew for sure we had we were headed in the right direction. He doesn't have to be James, and I don't think he's going to be. I think it's going to be very different. Um, but it, you know, show me progress, steady progress. Now, one or two game win seasons going to be, yeah, I, I'd be disappointed with that. But he comes in there, wins four or five games, and shows me that that that, that this team is behind him and that he can recruit and put a good staff together. I'd live with that. I don't have to have a bowl game next year. Okay, here's the schedule. Give me a gut feeling win or loss on these, okay? East Tennessee State, okay. that's the opener. I'm assuming nothing's changed. I don't know if the pandemic and losing some games last year has affected anything, but think not. But East Tennessee State, September 4th, I mean, that's a win. Um, then September 11th at Colorado State, I bet I'll be at that game. By the way, so what what are your thoughts on that one? I think that's my birthday. Uh, let's see, ETSU win Colorado State. You know, I still got to go win. I, I still have to go win. Yeah, I'm, Col- I'm gonna go with win. Now. Colorado State. I saw them play. Um, by the way, my my niece's boyfriend is their best player, so that'll be interesting. Uh, to cover Your niece's boyfriend. My niece's boyfriend is their best player. You know, she plays at Colorado okay. State, plays basketball. Um, okay. They were better than Vanderbilt. I saw them play. You know, again, um, horrible season. We, we don't go into all that again. I, I don't think that'll be a give me, but they have a shot. Stanford at home, man, I'd forgotten the Stanford series starts that soon. I, I would think that that's going to be a tough one for them. Well, you know, it'll be a tough one for him, but you know, I will say this, and I, I don't, I don't know what's happened with David Shaw. You know, I, I used to think of David Shaw as a top five coach in the country, you know, and, and, and that the program was just what I wanted to emulate. And they're just really not very special these days. You know, I'm not saying no. they're going to beat Stanford. I'm not. And did you say that game was here? That game is here. Okay. Uh, yeah, I can't call a win there still because Stanford should still be the better football team. But there's nothing special about Stanford football right now. Okay, Houston at home on October the 2nd. Uh, see, we played them, what, twice? And then we, did we beat them both times? Is that right? No, played them in the bowl game, beat them. And then Mason's second year, they got crushed. Back when Tom Herman was there, that was like thirty-four oh, to nothing. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, that that that's right. Uh, boy, there that there. Boy, there's one of your make-or-break games right there. Yeah, that's you a know, big one, uh, I think. Yeah, that that's one of those games right there. That if you can get that one, man, that that's a a feather in the cap. So, uh, boy, this this roster is just so far from being completed. I mean, there's a lot of things that have to happen to 
to even get close to a full roster. So, you know, I'll, I'll go lost, but it's I wouldn't be surprised if they won that game, but I'll go lost on that one. Okay, this one's interesting. Mississippi State at home. I say it's interesting because a lot of times, maybe year two of the Leach era, different offense, maybe they take a quantum leap up. They won the bowl game today against Tulsa, which was a good win for them. But, man, he's such a wild card, and he lost so many kids already. That game was close this year. I mean, I think you've got to go with Mississippi State, although maybe being in Nashville helps. But I don't know that that's a, a layup for Mississippi State either. Yeah, did you say do? Uh, did you say a different offense for them? Well, no. I mean, year two of of Leach's system is what I mean. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. I was like, because like, I was going to say, no, he's not changing that system. <laughs> he's not going to change now. Uh, well, you know, I put that right around, right around the same level as, as Houston, you know? Uh, uh that's probably, they're, they're better than Houston, right? Why? What would Houston go this year? I, I have no idea. Houston was, uh, I think they won seven games, I think. Okay. Maybe. Let's I, see. I could be wrong about that. I thought, I thought they were like six and four, seven and three, something like that. I'm looking up right now. Let's see. The Cougs this year. Okay. Oh, no. No, not nearly that good. I was going to say, I don't remember hearing a word about Houston football all year. Not that I was really paying attention. Yeah, I take that back. They were three and five. Okay. Yeah, I I mean, Mississippi State's better than them. So, um, let's say they split those two. Fair enough? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was going to take one win and one loss there on that. So, they got – let's give them ETSU and Colorado State. Okay. Just just to be generous. And then give them one or two against Houston or Mississippi State – Okay, I'll this will be this will be a purposefully optimistic forecast, I guess. Um, and not, but not overly optimistic. I mean, that's not that's not that's not reaching by any stretch of the imagination. No. Um, well, I mean, hard to know, right? A lot, a lot of stuff could happen between now and then. Okay, let's make this easy. Ole Miss and Florida both on the road. They're not going to win either of those. Especially if you've already given them three, right? Mm-hmm. You've got to take back somewhere. South Carolina away. I want to know what that roster looks like because they had the same issue Vanderbilt did where they lost a lot of players by seasons. Yeah. Now, I, I think that's a tough one. That's one of those you probably just chalk up as a loss until they do it because it's been so long. Uh, but different era, different coaches, who knows, right? Yeah, complete. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to that. I mean, yes, I know. So, well, I want to play this team that always happens, but it's only, it's only about the the, the program that year, and, and and they they are facing a lot of the issues we have now. Would I say sixty forty Carolina? Sure, yeah, I ride with that. Uh, but but they have a lot of the same question marks that we do. Okay, and they what they don't have. Let me say this: uh, I, I feel much better about our quarterback position than theirs. So, well, here's an interesting one: Tennessee away, because I don't think that program's going anywhere. I think mm-hmm. they need to move on from Jeremy Pruitt. 
Well, and I don't, I, I don't know that they you don't think they need to move on from Pruitt. No, I think they should give him a lifetime contract. <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. Okay, but let's yeah. say Pruitt, Pruitt's yeah. still there. I don't think that's a situation that's going to get better more than like now he's fooled me once before, right? So let's give him that. But that's one of those if the program's already crumbling, um, that's the end of the season. You know, sometimes teams mail in those games. We've seen Tennessee do it before. I think that one's in play. I mean, a lot again, a lot of variables between now and then. Um, but you and I have seen that one take some funny turns from year to year, and I just don't like the direction of their program right now. Yeah, they'll lose a good chunk of their offensive line. Cade Mays is coming back, by the way. That that came out today, so that helps. You know, uh, and that was supposed to be a a a, uh, a super strength. And some thought maybe the best line in the country did not play out that way. And of course, I know you saw the other day that uh, I think it was either yesterday or the day before that DeAndre Johnson entered the uh, transfer portal. That's their that's their leading sack total. Get her, uh, you know. And now, when I say leading, that he led the team with four and a half sacks. So, uh, you know. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, they they whooped the, the Vanderbilt team that you saw last year, but that's not. I don't think it's going to look like that. But I mean, so far, what I have heard so far, other than the Ole Miss and the Floridas, are games that we could absolutely get smoked in or find ourselves on top. Okay, you know, because none of those teams scare me in the least. Now, Ole Miss and Florida, you're correct; they're not beating those teams. Here's one they're not going to win, George. I think we can agree on that. And Kentucky and Missouri, those are here. Um, I think those are going to be tough, but you never know. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, give him four and call it a really good year, given what he's been up against. And if you're competitive in any games from there, then that's really gravy, right? Kind of sounds a lot like what what I was saying would be successful, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think we're on the same page here. Yeah, I think we are. Okay, Dorking says, what SEC opponent are you most looking forward to Clark Lee defeating? Do I have to answer that? Seriously? Yeah, I think I think we know <laughs> that one. Um, <laughs> it's clearly Mississippi State. Oh, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know who it is. Um, Mr. Vandy says, what players that opted out this season would you like to see return? Uh, two of them come to mind. I'm going to see how you answer that. Uh, one's Cole Clemens. Uh, I'm sure that's one of the answers for you. I, I would think. Yeah, I, I was actually thinking good. transfer portal, but that that's a different question. Opt outs. It would Clemens for sure. Um. Yeah, I mean, any of those linemen coming back, I think, would help, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that. That's my answer. And then if you if you're if you're being, if you're uh, factoring in transfer portal and opt out. Uh, the other would be Grant. I hate to see Grant go, you know, I'm surprised at some of the, the level of players, of uh, programs that are trying to bring him in. I, I think he's, I don't know if he's that good, but, but he's solid. You know, and of course we, we need all the offensive line experience that we could possibly get. So for me, uh, between opt outs and transfer portals, it would be, uh, Cole Clemens and Grant Miller. If nothing else, I'll give this to Grant Miller. Okay. I don't think that kid came off the field almost at all, all year. And given what that team was up against and how many kids you saw opt out and come and go, uh, 
I think that right there tells you a little something about him. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, so that might, who, who would your two have been? Well, I was thinking transfer portal, and the two that are obvious to me are Grant Miller, and here's one. Have I missed something, or has Dimitri Moore not landed anywhere? Not that I've seen so far. I haven't heard it about, about where he's, he's planning to go. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, that one is one where, you know, the potential's been there for a while, and it just, for whatever reason, hasn't happened. I don't think Dimitri helped himself a lot with his attitude this year. But it doesn't make him a bad person. You see that happen with a lot of college players. And that's one we've always seen. There's athleticism. There's been potential. There was production in high school at a high level. I would be interested to see how that one could – and I have no info if he's still even looking at Vandy or not. This is a fly, just basically flying blind on this one. But it would be very interesting to me – to see how that might look with the reboot at Vanderbilt. You know, here's, here's the thing that I would do with that, with, with that, because I, you know, I mean, because it certainly can't hurt Clark Lee to reach out to him. But the first thing that I would do, uh, of course, Clark has to establish his relationship with his current players, uh, with the ones that are on the teams now, but then I would, then I would talk to them and then I, then I would ask them, what are your thoughts on Dimitri before I even make this phone call? You know, or if I to try to sit down with him, what are your thoughts on him about about having him back? Do you, do you feel you know like it's just something not not from an ability standpoint? Clearly, he has that, but you know, just the the, the whole situation. How how would the, the players, the players that are still on the staff, the ones that didn't uh, just roll out like that? Uh, how would they feel about bringing him back? And if they're good with it, then maybe I sit down and say, you know, maybe. I'm not Derek Mason. I'm Clark Lee. I have a different, uh, completely different game plan here. I, this is what I'm thinking. Does this jive with you? And if so, maybe we can sit down and figure this out. If not, good luck to you. Okay. This next one comes from Doors alum. You've been granted the power to determine New Year's resolutions for Clark Lee, Jerry Stackhouse, and Tim Corbin. What are each of their resolutions? If I'm Clark Lee, I resolve to not take no for an answer from the administration when it comes to supplying my program with everything that it needs. What about that one? How about yours? Oh, that's better than I could have thought of. I don't know what my answer would have been, but I like yours better. Okay. Uh, for Coach Stackhouse, uh, man. Hmm. Uh, I resolved to bring in some assistant coaches with more experience. Okay, can I do a sidebar on this one? Speaking of this, this sure. is what drives me crazy. You know what that staff could have been this year? Hmm. I mean, this is what I would have done because we made an issue of that, right? Adam Mazzari, yeah. from what I hear, is a pretty good coach, pretty well respected. So I'm going to ride and say they've got a good one there. Why in the world, especially with the issues they're having developing big men, did they not keep Ricardo Patton and just promote him to assistant? I mean, that nice. to me is you, – you, you can do that. And then David Grace, and I know David is not regarded as much of a coach, but my God, you need a recruiter. Um, all of a sudden, that's not a bad staff. 
And it's it's certainly not the greenest staff in the country that I have. And by the way, you know, complaints about developing players in terms of the upperclassmen, that's where experience can help you. Yeah, I agree agree with that one totally. And who was the other one? Tim Corbin. Oh, Tim Corbin. (laughs) What does he resolve? Uh Hmm. I wouldn't. Uh, uh, I, I don't know, Chris. <laughs> I, I think everything's just fine. I resolved to do everything exactly the way I have been doing for years. I was going to say my resolution will be status quo and please everybody just stay out of my business. Just get out of my business, right? Just leave this. me alone. That's it. I mean. Yeah. He might be the best coach in all of college athletics, regardless of the sport. Oh, I think he is too. I mean, Nick, it's it's him or Nick Saban, right? I mean, well, or Coach K. Uh, well, I mean, I, I would I would have conversations with, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's certainly fair. He's got the hardware, but uh, I mean, you know what Dabo has done is pretty uh, yeah, there, there is Dabo Sweeney, but but all those places had a history of winning before those guys. I mean, Duke had been to a final four, what, four years before he got there. And, um, yeah, but Clint was nothing. I mean, were they great in the eighties? They had some, and they had a run or two there, but no, I mean, they were just another real good team. Not like this. I mean, they're clearly one of the top two programs and there's nothing close to them. The closest thing's Ohio state. And to me, they're clearly better. Yeah. I mean, they were Clemsoning a lot right when he got there. Remember that yeah, when that I used mean, to be he, a term? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, what he's done there and, and, and the way I mean, look, I mean, that dude I mean I, I would seriously let, let me just if I were had been like the type of player who could have decided where I wanted to go to play at any level, any team, any conference, and you know, Vanderbilt offers me, and I know what you're saying. Clearly, you're going to play at Vanderbilt, and I'm sure that I would. I can't imagine that I wouldn't have gone. But if Dallo called me up and I went on a recruiting visit there and I got a chance to be around him, I, you know, I'll just say this it would have had to have been Franklin in Nashville at the time uh, for me to 100% be able to tell you that that's where I'd go because if not, I mean, Dabo is just uh, he's on he's on another planet. Yeah, I mean, this would be a difficult argument to have. All of them are great coaches, uh, you know. But I, I just think you know Alabama's got its built-in machinery that if you got a really good co- now look, Saban's taken it to a different degree, uh, but because it's really tough to go from good to great to elite. Uh, those are kind of quantum leaps every time, right? But I mean, yeah. Corbin took the baseball program from awful to to elite so i just think the leaps from where he i mean at least clemson was decent they were going to bowls and things like that uh i just think the starting point now it's it's harder to do it in college football than it is in baseball no doubt but there were just some dynamics there that the other guys didn't deal with and we know how vanderbilt being vanderbilt uh, can affect other sports now baseball is different because of the opportunity Vanderbilt I do get that there's a built-in win for him that the other programs don't have but I think you know what I mean I do know what you mean 
Okay, next one is from Five Star Door. Rank in order from best to worst the following aspects of Vanderbilt football over the past few seasons. Talents, or talent schemes and play calling and individual execution. Man, that's a tough one. Uh, I, I passed. <laughs> God, that's impossible. Uh, talent. Hmm. Talent, scheme, and execution. Was that the three? Yeah, I feel like we're arguing whether you got an F and it was a 60 or a 30, right? Uh, that, I mean, yeah, certainly not to dodge the question by any stretch of the imagination. I just, I mean, I think all of them are on par with each other. I, I don't know how to rank those. They're all poor. I mean, there, there, were, there, there were spots where they succeeded. I mean, I, I know, you know, Gosh, 2018 seems like it was a decade ago by now. But, you know, they had they had some good things in there. And there were some times where when Mason had some of Franklin's players, and when they had Butler and Cunningham and he was running the defense, they were pretty good there. But, again, uh, it, it's it's arguing, you know, did, did you fail with a high F or a, you know, or a low F? So, who cares, I, yeah, right? Talent. Uh, I get because they've had some good players, so I guess talent would be number one. Uh, and then I guess talent, then scheme, uh, execution is clearly not good. <laughs> so I, 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 I guess that's the order I would go talent, scheme, and then execution. Okay, follow up from five star. Based on what you've learned about Clark Lee, how do you expect he will improve each of those aspects? Cool. I think, well, I think one of those things, uh, first of all, the talent, uh, it's hard to answer that, Chris. You know, it, it's just hard because we, we, we've got an introductory press conference and then what he's done as a, as a, you know, as a coordinator at, at Notre Dame. And of course, he certainly had success everywhere he's gone so far uh, in his career, but I don't know how he's going to be as a recruiter. You know, I mean, he's he's done pretty well. He's come down uh, to the state of Tennessee, and he what's, what was the young man's name? Uh, Prince Coley, I think it was, the kid out of East Tennessee who, oh, if they could have flipped him, that would have been sweet. That dude is a beast. Uh, but overall, as a recruiter, you know, and who he brings in to help him do that, I mean, that's a huge part of the equation here. And then, of course, uh, will he have – Will he have what he needs from the university to help him do that? And it's hard to say in regards, and I'm not dodging these questions, but without knowing just truly other than what he said in the press conference, exactly what the schemes are going to be and who's going to be in charge of the play calling. That's very difficult to answer right now. Here's a simpler answer. And I always use him because why wouldn't you? What does Tim Corbin not take care of? What you not take care of? Uh, nothing that I can tell of. I mean, his he's got his. I mean, he's got it's it because he is he he is so detail oriented, you know, all the way down to the end, including just you know how a player feels and their ability to focus, like the 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 antics that they do in between innings. You know, it's certainly different, but it's not just to be doing something. There's a reason for it. You know, I mean, he and he's got his finger on all the, the little things like that. And they do matter. It's the tension to detail uh, that he doesn't leave out, you know. So, I mean, 
there's not much much that dude doesn't do. And I'm not ducking the the Clark Lee question. I just don't know how to answer it until he's here and we get some true answers and we start learning who who's going to be working with him. Well, here's where I'm going to go. Okay. I mean, Tim, Tim was very organized 18 years ago when he took this job. And and I think it got more so as he lived and learned. And so Clark Lee is going to be on the, the far other end of the spectrum. I think he's wired the same way that Tim is, it, it seems to me, and he's going to live and learn. He's going to get better in things. But here's the thing, right? I've told the Anthem story on the podcast before about how Tim lines players up for the Anthem, and you do this, you do that, you don't move, and then you know three seconds after the Anthem is over, then you start to move and go back to the dugout. And if he's taking care of those things, you can bet the guy's not going to miss a trick. And if that's the way Clark Lee is wired, which sounds like it is, then you can bet that he's going to take care of, of all those things because talent, schemes, and execution and individual player development are all huge. They're all things you're not going to neglect. And so I would have to think if that's how he's wired, I don't know how he does it, but I I think that he will certainly improve all those areas. I can't imagine him well, not. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think the approach will certainly be a Corbin-ish, if you will. The only thing is is that it's, you know, and not that it was easy. You know, I mean, they never enjoyed that type of success. And SEC still great in baseball and was then and is now. But, I mean, the the hurdle that Clark Lee is up against is, I think, far greater than what Tim Corbin had to do. Yeah, no no doubt. There's SEC football, and we're just so freaking far behind. And it's not like the rest of these programs are going to say, okay, you guys will stop while you catch up with us. You know, it doesn't work that way, clearly. So, I mean, he's got to do double time. And he's got to do double his efforts of what all these other programs are doing. Uh, He's got to work twice as hard to try to get on – what I guess you could say uh, on even ground with and still don't know that it would be there. So his job is far more, his task is far greater. It just is, you know? So that's why, I mean, we can take it. He can take, he can pay attention to all those details. That's important and it's great. And hopefully that will all pay off. But the question is, is that going to make it translated to wins? I don't know yet because it's a, I mean, look, it, it's a very reasonable uh, assumption to say that Vanderbilt is the, the single most difficult power five job in all the country. Yeah. But it wasn't baseball too, probably, or one of them. Yes, but it's baseball and, and a couple of players can get things going. A great pitcher is something that you can build around and, you know, a, a stick or two here and there, and then it starts to build. But you have to give an 85 scholarship football team who plays Alabama, Ole Miss, LSU, Auburn, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's just got, it's just got to be so much more difficult. And I'm not talking about one year. I'm talking about sustainability uh, year in and year out, because that's what people are looking for. And, and I'm not saying that it won't happen because it can happen, but it's going to take, and it, it it has to be about so much more. You know, we can say, you know, Tim Corbin can say, okay, this is done. Now get out of my way. Clark Lee can't do that. No, he it- needs that school so much more, so much more than Tim Corbett ever did. Well, let me 
let me clear up the answer. The, the question was not, are they going to win SEC East titles or go to bowl games, right? The question was, is he going to improve those things? And the point is, I know how the last coach was wired, and I think I have an idea of how this one is wired. And I, I just think that it, it's hard for me to fathom him not improving all those areas a lot. Now, how that translates into wins, I don't know. But that was the question that was asked. Yeah. Yeah, and so – and I'm not even – Posing it as, you know, will he win SEC titles? Like I said, I'm just talking about trying to get as close as they possibly can to even, even, even ground. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about you. I think I'm still at a little bit of a loss to know how long this is going to take, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'll tell you one thing that's interesting. You look at these players that are hitting the transfer portal they're not getting swarmed by the Florida States and the Oregons and the Oklahomas of the world. I mean, you've got starting corners landing at, what, Texas State. And um, although Tate Daly, I guess, did go to Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, yeah. But, I mean, the point, point is, you know, I, I guess the thing, because I always go back to 2010 to 2011, right? And... Uh-huh. I guess that 2010 season was so bad that we thought the cupboard was bare. But you look up a couple of years later, and maybe it really wasn't. I mean, they had there was a Zach Stacy around, there was a Jordan Matthews around, um, and, and players I'm probably not even thinking of. Right to the point where they got to a bowl the next year. Um, and, and so I look at because 2010 is one of the worst seasons we've ever seen in Vanderbilt football. Um, and I, I still remember that weight game and how how awful they looked. But I'm wondering if Clark Lee's got the rabbits to pull out of a hat like James had. Now, you got one in Ken Seals, I think. But that's the question I have is if you could put 2010 on a scale with 2020, how how do those teams, if you strip away all the bad coaching and circumstance and add in a layer for COVID uh, you just don't know how that affected everybody and the the quarantines and the mental health of everybody it's just really hard for me to know when you put those teams on a scale in terms of what each coach is getting as they took over how those teams compare and I think that's the big mystery I have that makes it difficult to really ascertain okay what does this look like when is it that they're competitive again I don't know if that made sense or not but that's where I'm kind of getting hung up on how long will it take him to turn this around if he really does a bang-up job? Yeah, and, and it is a great question. And, of course, we have to determine what – I don't know. I just I, – I guess – I guess at the end of the day, the the – I won't say the only thing that matters is the wins and losses. But, you, you know, I mean, it's been so bad for us uh, that I think we just want to see consistent, good, solid, competitive, physical, hard-nosed football because uh, we haven't seen it for a while. Because it, even when we were six and six and playing in the Texas Bowl, uh, I, there was still plenty wrong with that football team. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I just I want to find out if we can build. Because you know, think about something for a second. Even when James Franklin won nine games in two years in a row. What did we hear? And it's not that it wasn't true, because it was true. But 
what did we always hear? Yeah, but the S of the East is down. The SEC is not what they have been. And that, and yeah, that was true. There was a lot of truth to that, but neither were we. You know, I mean, but we don't ever factor that part. And we're talking about what the other teams weren't. Well, we weren't anything like we'd always been either. We'd oh. taken it to another level. You know, I, I look at Sagarin's in the computers all the time just to kind of put a number on how bad teams are. And, and that was, man, the 2010 team, I think, according to that, I mean, I, I don't know where this one ended up. This one was harder to quantify this year because you just had some teams that didn't play. But uh, the, the two worst teams I've ever covered, according to the computers, were that one and this one. Um. And you're right. It's just here. Here's the other thing too. Okay, this is another variable. Well, there are two more variables. I think. How much did COVID beat down other teams? Because Vanderbilt was down, but you had some other teams that were competing with some opt outs too. That leveled the playing field a little bit. And here's one other variable. Okay, you say, well, the SEC wasn't that strong when James was there, and maybe to some extent that's true. But you look at the schedule next year, how many of these teams are going to be preseason top 25? I mean, I see I see Georgia and Florida, maybe Ole Miss, maybe Kentucky or Missouri. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know right. that the schedule that they're walking into is going to be a meat grinder either. I mean, there's no LSU, Auburn, or Alabama on there, which helps. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, true. You know, now we'll see. I mean, there's – there's just so much unknown right now that I, but I, I think just if nothing else, you know, look, we had to have a change. It it it, it just had to happen. Uh, there'll be a lot of people uh, with different ideas of what success looks like next year, and and is it tied to the number of wins? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, I don't I don't like coming on here telling you that I'd be happy if we went five and seven or four and eight because that's not how I'm wired, but I understand the situation. And you know, if I'm four and eight, that schedule, but I see what I need to see, I'll live with that. As long as I know know that the trajectory of what we have in place is gonna lead to seven and five within a year or so. And then, you know, every now and then eight. Who knows? Maybe even nine wins. I don't want to put a Chris. I don't want to put a cap on what we can be because if if and that is a monster if if we get the support of this university, I don't know what that looks like. You know, and I don't know what Vanderbilt football looks like when it truly has the full support of the university and the athletic department. I've never seen that before. So I mean, if we get that, if we have that, who's to say what we can and can't do, Chris? Oh, How do you know, You've I, never seen I've it. I've said that for forever. Let me make this simpler for both of us, okay? Yeah. Let's say that you did not know what the win loss records were for James Franklin or Derek Mason, but you just saw, you know, a representative handful of plays, um, you know, and, and watched the press conferences. If, if maybe let's just strip it down to this, okay? If you just stripped it down to the the press conferences and things like that. And you didn't know any better. And you watched Mason and you watched Franklin. Did it not seem like one of them was on top of it and one of them was not? Well, yeah. I mean, 
Clearly, Coach Mason was on top of it. Well, that's what I'm saying. Maybe it's really that simple. When we have so many variables and we don't know what the upside looks like because we're still struggling to quantify how bad it is and who comes back. I mean, maybe they win two games next year. But maybe the way he does it and the way he establishes habits and culture and gives intelligent answers to questions, maybe that's the answer we should be looking for. Maybe it's, uh, I kind of know it when we see it, because like I'll give you James, or not James Franklin, Tim Corbin's first year. You know, they went to the SEC tournament, which was a big thing for them. They finished with a losing record, didn't make the NCAA tournament. But from the minute you met Corbin, you kind of looked at him and said, this guy's got it figured out. This program is going to go places. And maybe when we're having a hard time saying, we don't know what the expectations should be with wins or losses or anything like that. Maybe it's just that simple. as like when you go to practice, when you watch him speak, does he feel like he's on top of it and control of it? Does it feel like he's got a plan? Does it feel like he's getting enthusiasm and buy-in? And maybe instead of win-loss record, it's more, just more of a simpler, do you know it when you see it with him? And Maybe that's our, our judgment point. You know, maybe so, or maybe – I'm going to come to your house and roll it. See, I just looked up, Chris. It's been an hour and 15 minutes. Now, I, what did we say? What What did we say before we started this thing? I this know. wasn't going to be one of those. So, you know, here's the deal. I love you, but I'm now on, I'm now on holiday, so let's do this. Get the rest of these mailbag questions and let's go. You're killing me. I hate your face. Okay, two more. I'll let you answer these as quickly as you like, the UT rival site, this from BU65, says the 22 in-state football prospects will be a very strong class. They say the quarterback at Martin may be the best at his position ever produced in Tennessee. What do you know about this class? Well, the, the quarterback you're talking about is Ty Simpson. I referenced him a minute ago. He's the son of UT Martin coach Ty Simpson. He's, uh, excuse me, Jason Simpson. He's the one that was offered by Michigan in like the eighth or ninth grade. So he's been under the microscope out here for a long time, you know, and he, you know, and you know how that goes. They get a lot of criticism. It's always not that good. You always hear that. Uh, let me tell you something. Is he a polished products? Is he, a, is he a perfect prospect? No, not by any stretch of imagination, but he's a guy in my mind uh, that uh, he's got the size. Uh, he certainly has the arm. Uh, and the thing I like about him is, you know, he's listed as a pro style quarterback, but let me tell you something. If that play breaks down, I promise you, he is far more than capable of making the, of keep of extending that play with his feet. He, he can absolutely run. He's a strong kid. He's a smart kid. Uh, you know, is he a polished product? Yeah. Is he a perfect product? No. Is he the best college, uh, or best high school quarterback I've seen in Tennessee? You know, the state, that's not really what we do, Chris. You know, we, we, we're, we're not, I mean, we can't start, I can't just go start rattling off the quarterbacks. Uh, that this state has produced over the last 20 years in return in terms of, you know, going out and, and, and having big careers on the collegiate level, you know, Engel Martin did fine at Florida, you know, MUS had Barry Bernetti. That was okay for a little bit. Um, this is just not what we've done. We've not put out big time quarterbacks, you know, um, is he the best? I mean, if you look at the offer sheet, yeah. I mean, uh, in the last 20 years, he's got 
a better offer sheet than any quarterback that I've seen coming out of the state of Tennessee. Um, I, I don't know that that means he's of that ilk, but you know what? Every program in America has, has extended an offer to the guy. You know, so I mean, I, I have several people here in this area who have seen him, and a few of them just think that he's uh, that he's a little overrated. You know, uh, when of the film that I have watched, I have not watched him play in person. I've seen plenty of game film on him. I think they're wrong. I think he's a very good quarterback, uh, and, and I'd love to have. Him. Now we're now understand we're not getting him, uh, but yeah, he's. He, he, he's he's heck of a quarterback. I don't know if he's the best I've ever seen at Tennessee, but he's he's heck of a quarterback. Now, as far as the whole state goes, yeah, I mean, you know, that's I mean, look, that's the upward trend. I mean, it's you know, when when I first started doing this, man, talent the state suck. I just don't know the, any other way to put it. Uh, but it's collectively gotten better and better. Uh, and the man, the, the the I think about the Middle Tennessee area, you know, and generally in West Tennessee, we don't put out a whole lot of talent outside of Memphis. Now, in the last couple of years, you know, things have changed a little bit uh, with Trey Smith and and Greg Emerson, the Anthony Brown kid out of Milan. Uh, but uh, there's plenty of players here right now, and in the Middle Tennessee area. And think about this for a second, Chris. Uh, and not just the pearl cones of the world, but think about some of the people. Look at the private schools right now, okay? And see, Mr. Bean thinks of he's a big private school fan. Uh, think about some of the head coaches that they're in private school in the Nashville area right now. You know, there's some good ones. Jonathan, well, yeah, I mean, but but you're talking about a bunch of NFL former quarterbacks. Look, Jonathan Quinn at Davidson Academy, Trent Dilfer at Lipscomb Academy. That's one who should have won the state, but came and runner up one who won it. And one who should have won it, lost it to another former NFL quarterback in Ingle Martin. You know, I mean, I think the coaching has gone way, way up. I think uh, we've got out some of these archaic offensive schemes and opened things up and, and I think the level of football in the state of Tennessee. Now, look, do I consider it better than Georgia and places like that? No, I don't. But here's what I will say to you. I, I challenge you to find me a state uh, in this area or really anywhere who has improved the number of annual real legitimate prospects on an annual basis more so than the state of Tennessee because their numbers just continue to climb year in and year out. And it is about time uh, that Vanderbilt get their slice of the pie on a consistent basis. They've had a few every now and then, but it's there. It's time now uh, for them to get a hold of that. I feel like I'm missing somebody, but I just can't think of that many quarterbacks since I've been doing this from Tennessee who've really had good careers. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think, like who's had a better career than Rick Stockstill from this state? There's probably somebody from Memphis that I'm not thinking of, but I, I and, and probably some other guys too. But this state just has not put out a lot of stellar major college quarterbacks yeah, in, in the last two decades. You. That's what I've told you. That's just not what we do. I, I know. You I know? mean, and I'm I'm trying to think of put my finger on like okay, who's been better than Brent Stockstill from this state? <laughs> You know, 
Uh, no, nobody that I can think of. You know, I'll tell you a young man who was pretty good at uh, Martin and Kansas was uh, uh, oh, Bill, Bill Whitmore. Whitmore. But that was that was 25 years ago. Yeah, he said, uh, was it Franklin Road? Is that right? Is he at Franklin Road Academy? I think that's where he is. Yeah, no, no, it wasn't 25, but that was about 20 years ago, I think. Right. Well, I mean, we're talking the last two decades, so, you know. Right, right. Um, that's how far I'm going back, and I'm trying to think about, you know, Engel. Engel did well. Yeah, but Engel was never a full-time quarterback, was he? And that was more than 20. Well, no, I guess that'd have been about 20 years ago too. Uh, well, I'll give I mean, yeah, I know. Look, I mean, consider, I'm considering the fact that it was the SEC and that he did start. And then, of course, went off the Furman, uh, but made it to the NFL, you know. Uh, <sighs> oh, you know, if we want to go back a little further than that, Chad Pennington. Well, or maybe he is in the sample size. I think he is. Chad okay. Pennington uh, well, played yeah. at what Knox Webb? Knoxville. He's from Knoxville, yeah. And went to yeah. Marshall uh, and was a nobody. He might be the best. Let's see. Am, am I missing anybody? Am I not thinking about somebody, even if it's a smaller school? <sighs> Just <sighs> I don't think so, man. I, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about it and I just I I can't remember anybody that's, that's really done much from from that position, you know. Like I said, uh, you know, Barry Burnetti started some at West Virginia and an old Miss, but I mean, he was just okay. Uh, yeah, I I can't. Nobody else is coming to my mind, and and I'm gonna feel stupid because somebody's gonna say a name, and then we're like, oh, why don't we think of that? But right now. Not coming to my mind. Yeah, I mean, I'm. It, it seems like it seems like there's somebody we're missing, but the fact that we can't think of them uh, is probably pretty telling. So, you know, I'll tell you a guy. Let me say this: I'll tell you a guy who I thought was going to be a good college quarterback, and it just never really turned out. It didn't happen for him. Uh, I really thought Charlie High was going to be really good. Do you do you remember who I'm talking about the the quarterback from CK CAK vaguely? Uh, yeah, well, went to UT and then I think transferred to Tennessee Tech or something like that. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, Jeremiah Oatsfall's done all right at Austin P. Uh, but as far as just big time quarterbacks, I can't think of anybody. Okay, I just googled uh, best high school quarterbacks from Tennessee. And the first thing that popped up is the list of 30. But, man, I'm not seeing anybody right off the bat this recent. The most recent one was B.J. Coleman, who did nothing um, at Tennessee. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. I've got one. But he is in the NFL. And I have one. Go for it. I have one from right there in your very own backyard from – I want to say BGA. Oh, Played yeah. Bethard. Quarterback course. at Navy. Right. Who? Oh, well, him too. Okay. Well, CJ Bethard. Who were you thinking? Yes, but I was th- yes, him, but I was thinking uh, the cat from Navy. Uh, yeah, yep. Who was like their all time leading rusher or something Kenan, like that. Uh, Keenan Reynolds, yeah. Yeah, Keenan Reynolds. No, he was from Good Pasture. Good Pasture. 
Good pastor. Okay. Well, I knew it was one of the Nashville private schools. That's right. Yeah. Got to be, got to be Keenan Reynolds. Got to throw him in there. Got to. Yeah. Although he's, I mean, that's different type of quarterback, but. Well, no, no, well, wait a minute though, but he's a quarterback. That's true. That's true. He does line up under center. He is the quarterback. So at the end of the day, you know, all right, I did my part. I came up with Keenan Reynolds. All right. Well, you're going to hate me for that one because that just took more of your time. But, um, Chris, I hate you for so many more reasons than that. Don't worry about it. That's right. You have enough. All right. Last question for you, Pierre. My family and I were accosted in Gulf Shores last night by a Tennessee fan after seeing all our Vandy gear, swearing they're making a coaching change by the end of the week. What are you hearing? Uh, that has been all over the place. It has. It has, and and no, and and all the people that I've talked to in Knoxville, they're they're not sure. They don't know. Everything is just so fluid because you've got to, you know. Here's the thing: the thing that the, the Tennessee, the hurts Tennessee fans who want to see him gone, is the one who brought him in. You know, I just don't think that Philip Fulmer is ready to say I made a mistake, and I don't even know if I. I mean, I think he did make a mistake. But, you know, this time last year, he had just won eight games in a row and beat Indiana in a bowl game. You know, would, would you have had this conversation last year? Would you have said he's made a total mistake and need to fire him right now after that? Of course not. So what we're basing it on is one season. And not only is it one season, it's the craziest season in the history of college football. You know, what, did he do a poor job this year? No doubt about it. James Franklin did a poor job this year too. Should he be fired? Yeah, because best I can tell, Jeremy Pruitt had had. had I mean, I've only been there three years. He had one bad year. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think the question is best answered if you know who's in control, right? If because it's Phil Fulmer, he's coming back. If it's not Phil Fulmer, and it's somebody above him at the school, then maybe not. And I don't. I think the issues with Jeremy Pruitt, it's not just can he coach or not? I just think that this NCA thing is going to be pretty serious for them uh, when it all goes public is well, my opinion based on what that. I've heard. So, but, but see, but, but see, but think about that. It, it, even that lends itself to a further discussion. Who the hell wants this job? You know, if, I mean, it's already, first of all, it comes with that fan base and say, what, this is not because I'm a Vanderbilt fan, but I mean, they have developed a very bad reputation among coaches. They just have, you know, and, yeah. and that's not with Shiano that they pulled this whole, uh, faux righteousness that no one bought, including them. They knew what it was all about. They can lie all day long. They absolutely knew what it was about. And it had nothing to do with anything other than they didn't think he was good enough that they thought they could hire somebody better. If they didn't, they'd have welcomed him with open arms. And they know it's true. They'll never say that, and they'll hide, and they'll try to cloak some kind of righteousness, but they know they're lying. And the world knows they're lying. And, you know, and this keeps happening to them. This level of dysfunction, it keeps on happening. I'm not sitting here reveling in it. I'm simply pointing it out because it's true. So now you're going to tell me uh, after an eight-game win streak the year before, a bowl win, an extension at the beginning of the season that you run him off in one year? 
You know, I mean, who's lying? And, and and then you add on what you're talking about with all the, and, and I think we, we know what is about to break, you know, how bad it really is, what it's going to be, what kind of up and coming coach would want to put himself in that situation. Yeah. But again, I think this is where you overcomplicate it. I just, from what I hear from people who know what goes on up there and know that team He's just not a CEO type leader, and if you're not that, it's just not going to work. Well, how am I overcomplicating it? Well, you're you're sitting here bringing all these other things into it, and you can debate whether they get another guy or not. I'm saying once you know he's not the guy, uh, and there are a couple of layers to that. One of them is I think he's potentially about to get that school in a lot of trouble. And two is even if he's not, is he the right kind of leader for your program? I just think those, the answers to those two questions are not the right kind of answer. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not that simple. Maybe there are degrees. Maybe he can do some things and, and not do others. And I think your point is really fair, right? But Derek Mason also fooled us at one point, too, where we thought, hey, this guy's getting it together. Don't know how, but he is. I don't know. Just the, the people that I respect up there that cover them, it just does not sound like he's the kind of leader in terms of his organizational and his people skills, where he's going to take them places. Uh, and you throw well, in the and, NCAA issues on top of that. I just think when you know you need to make a change, the more you drive a program into the ground when you don't. I mean, we've seen that here time and time again. Oh, and look, because you've heard me say it too. When you know, you know you got to do something about it. And I understand that. It's just that they haven't just missed – I mean, they've gotten it so, so wrong time and time again. I mean, they keep they keep completely striking out, you know. And I look, I do. I think he's the guy. If I leave the recruiting aspect out of it, if I if I leave the potential sanctions out of it, and just from a coaching standpoint. You know, the truth of the matter is, is if, if they'd have been able to develop a quarterback, and it kind of looks like, I mean, let's not forget, Harrison Bailey's a true freshman, and there's a lot to like about him. You know, if you, he comes back next year and is it starts to build on what you could see, because you see flashes at him. He's not perfect, but, I mean, he's a good-looking young quarterback, to be sure. Uh, and all of a sudden, they get the quarterback position solidified. I mean, I could see them turning things around quicker than qu- quicker than not. And, you know, I, look, and I, and I understand it. They, they're trying to swim in a different pond than us. You know, they, their, their objective is not to beat Kentucky and Missouri. It's to beat Florida and Georgia, you know, and I understand that. And that's their expectation, but they're nowhere close. They're nowhere close to that. But I just don't see how you're going to get there when you keep turning the thing over again and again and again and again and again, you know, so – you know, I mean, because think about this, you know, we want to get on, you know, Jared Garantano and some of these other players, you know, and, and they certainly have uh, a lot to, that you can, that you can pick apart on, but what are you supposed to do when you have a different coordinator basically every year and a different quarterback coach, a different position coach almost every year, they flip those rosters over there like it was a bodily function for a while there. You know, you can't, how do how are you supposed to win that way? You know, it's funny, Vanderbilt and Tennessee both have leadership issues at the top, and they're totally opposite. Vanderbilt's are because they haven't cared enough, and Tennessee's are probably because they care too much. That's a fair point. 
That's a, that is a very fair point. It, by the way, I'm not saying that to invalidate any of your points, right? I'm just saying when you know a guy is not the guy, it's time to move on. I mean, I, I hear you, but would you be saying that about him right now if it if if those potential sanctions weren't there? Would you be saying it's time to fire the guy who won eight games in a row the year before? It's a tougher sell under those circumstances. I'll admit that. Of course it is. Of course it is. And that's what I'm saying. I mean, I just, I mean, you know, look, I don't care what they do. You know, you know, frankly, I hope they keep him. I'm praying they won't get Hugh Freeze because I think he'll take it if he gets offered the job. So I'm praying that doesn't happen. But, you know, I mean, the, the constant barrage of turnover is just, you know, look, I, I'm not that high on Jeremy Pruitt. I'm not trying to sell you on the dude. Not at all. You know, it just, I mean, it's, it's, it's always something with them. It's always, it's always something. And the truth of the matter is, is, is they have everything that they need and they just find a way somehow to keep screwing it all up. You know, think about all the stuff that is, you know, can you imagine having the resources that they have and screwing it up the way that they do? Imagine if we had those resources, but had a dedicated a group of people that were as dedicated uh, to trying to make their football program as good as it could possibly be. The difference between and- Vanderbilt and Tennessee is all right. Tennessee's got you know a Lamborghini or whatever. Yeah, you know, just name your brand a nice car. And they turned the keys over to a drunk driver time and time again. Vanderbilt's problem is they lock the keys in the car and nobody can even bother to break the window to get them out. <laughs> that's, that's a barrage of imagery right there. Because <laughs> I was picturing that as you said it. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, well, and hopefully that changes. I mean... Here's the thing, and I know we're thank God we didn't go an hour today. We only I'm went an hour and a half. In five minutes, I don't plan to be on the phone. With <laughs> I you. know. Well, my my big thing this year, this will be the last show we do of the year. My big thing to watch is facilities at Vanderbilt, and I, I would say you would hope they would have an announcement by tax day, and if they don't, I would say that's time to start panicking. We shall see. I mean, we were told we would. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm going. I'm going to believe it until I, 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 I'm, I don't have a reason to. Yeah. Well, I, with I choose that, to believe that that's going to be the case. With that, I will let you on to your night, and uh, my family is calling me. Dinner's about to be served shortly, and we're going to watch some movies and ring in what I hope to God is a better year. I just don't see how it couldn't be, but I'm not going to tempt fate, man. Same to you, homeboy. Hey, tell people where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, anything else like that that you'd like to promote, please? All right. You can find me on Twitter at, at Cheap Seats Pass or 101.5 FM in Jackson, Monday through Friday, 6 to 8 p.m. in year number 21 of the Cheap Seats. Or this Saturday, you may find me at the dog track. I'm going to the uh, to the twilight session of the dog track Saturday. Maybe I'll see you there. Maybe so, but probably not. But uh, on behalf of myself and a lot of fans out there, 
that really enjoy your appearances on the podcast. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you yeah, what you have meant man. to the show. And uh, just God bless you and your family this year. And again, I think that 2021 is going to be a better year for us to cover, barring something crazy. Uh, and I look forward to that. Man, well, those are some awful kind words coming out your mouth, and I very much appreciate it and feel the same, my friend. And I will see you in 21, Anchor Dam. All right. For Seabass, I'm Chris Lee, the host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. We appreciate you listening. Have a very happy new year, and we will see you back here in 2021.